welcome you sexy goddess to the sweetest little life. I am your host, Courtney Hansen. I'm an author, yogi, Reiki master, and hypnotherapist specializing in trauma. My passion is to bring you wisdom each week with amazing guests to spark integration of all parts of yourself, to nurture your spirit, stimulate the mind, and love your body just a little bit more with each episode that drops. If you love this podcast and want more amazing resources for spiritual growth and holistic healing, make sure to download our app, The Sweetest Little Life, or head to the website, thesweetestlittlelife.com. Grab your favorite cup of tea or throw on your yoga pants and head for a walk while we hang out for the next 30 minutes of Soul to Soul Connection. Nellie, I am so, so excited for our conversation today. I know it's going to help a lot of parents on the show who are listening in right now. How are you doing? I am doing great. Thank you so much for asking and, and thank you for having me on the show. Yes. So I love to just get right to the juice. So I want to know who you are. Oh my, it's such a loaded question. It really uh, is. <laughs> yeah, who am I? Um, I recently had to uh, go on an, a road trip with somebody for about seven hours and we just told our, I was like, okay, the way there, you tell your life story, I'll tell mine on the way back, you know? So <laughs> we don't have that kind of time though. So, um, you know, who am I? Uh, my name is Nellie Hardin. Um, I am a wife. I am a mom to four teenage daughters. Um, my daughters are 18, 16, 16, and 14 right now. So I am very much in the thick of all things, you know, have been, you know, kids, preteens, teenagers, and young adults. Uh, and my work all centers, you know, around helping uh, parents really build this foundation of worth, esteem, and confidence in their young women before they leave home so they're not out in the world chasing worth. That can lead down to some really dangerous roads. And the way I got there was my own story. I, you know, I grew up, my dad actually died when I was super, super young. I was only one and a half when my dad died from an accident, unfortunately. And then, uh, you know, mom got remarried, had my brother and sister. Um, I graduated high school when I was 17 and then went seven hours away. And just with, you know, a lot of the things that were happening in my childhood and, you know, I truly think that, you know, my mom and like many parents did the best they could with what they had. And, you know, but my foundation of worth and esteem and confidence wasn't built. And I couldn't have told you that when I left home and moved all those that way away. I didn't have the language or the insight to say that. But what I did find is that especially that first semester of college, right, that whew, that, you know, here is your big bolus of freedom. No one's telling you what to do, where to go, who to be with, et cetera. And I found myself chasing every pathway toward worth because I thought and felt like the world gave me my worth instead of any internal structure that I gave myself worth. My faith gave my, you know, gave uh, me my worth. And then, you know, finding that in the external world. So that led down to some really hard roads. And then fast forward, 
We, uh, I get married. Uh, we almost lose my husband to a heart condition. Um, we have one of my daughters accidentally drown in a pool and she's back. Like I was able to bring her back CPR, neuro studies, all the things, but all that to be said that I was really sitting there and I had four daughters in four years and I was like, oh my goodness, I have to build this foundation in them so that they are not uh, found in the same position I was. I don't want them out in the world chasing their worth. I want them to know their worth. And that led me into family discipline work. Uh, my entire background is in biology and psychology. And I've worked in the field with animals for a long time, which was a beautiful time to really learn the black and white nature of childhood and development. And then I moved into the much more messy and complicated world of humanity um, a little over 10 years ago and really started applying all of those things. And so uh, to the work that I do now, like I said, in family disciplines, positive uh, reinforcement and creating self-disciplined leadership within women and especially in our young women before they leave the home. So that is a really, really high version of my story and where I got to be today. Wow. <laughs> That's incredible. I always like to know, like, how do you step, like, there's always the backstory is what intrigues me on, you know, what made you step into that purpose? parents lay that foundation because there is no handbook that comes with parenting and it's freaking messy and no kid is the same, which makes it even more messy. Exactly. I know I have four daughters and I call them four corners of a square because I mean, <laughs> I have twins in the middle even. So, you know, but they're all so very different, which mm. means that we as parents have to, and honestly have to give ourselves permission to parent each one of them a little differently. I was doing a talk um, last week on, you know, some of the F words that are, you know, should be uh, taken out of homes and fair is one of them. Like, that's not fair, you know, and all of these. I was like, well, that's what she needed in order to, you know, in order for us to best guide her. And this is what you need in order for us to best guide you. Right. And all of our kids are very, very different. So our parenting styles to each one of them is different as well. Uh, you know, we have our overarching, you know, parenting styles that we have in each home, but each child needs something different from us as well. And I totally agree with you that there is not a book on this. And that's why I wanted to put my work out there and the things I've developed so every parent can write their book, right? This is the book I have to write on how to raise my kids. And that's really what it comes down to because we all want them to lead their own lives before they leave home. But how that looks is a little bit different. We all want them to have worth and have that esteem and value and confidence, but how that looks and how we get there is a little bit different. So let's write our own stories. Yes. So I know, and we've talked a little bit about this before the show, there is definitely a lot of chaos going on within families right now. It is difficult. It's just a theme. I always look at the collective and kind of what is going on. And I see just a lot of heaviness lately with the seasons changing. We're back to school. A lot of mama's homeschool. It's just a lot. And yeah. I see a lot of overwhelm. And so 
Can we talk a little bit about what laying a foundation looks like when you are just at that level of complete burnout and feeling defeated? Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, there is a lot of turmoil and burden and generational trauma that Mm. is going on out there. And, you know, like we were talking about before, I'm experiencing that with, uh, with families and people, but here's the thing. Even if your child is, you know, I, I call the first um, 18 years, the 65, 70, that's how many days we have in that 18 years to really be a unique impact on your kids that you won't be any other time. It doesn't mean you will not be their parent. It doesn't mean that you won't have an impact. There's just a certain kind of impact that you have within the 6570, 6,570 days that you don't get to have at another time. And so when you're going through that, though, we as parents, we're people too, we're messy, we're complicated. And so really showing up in that and Every human from the, every human that ever was, ever is, or ever will be has these five basic needs that really add up to their worth. And that is to be seen and heard and loved and belong and have a purpose. And so many of our parents out there are trying to be this perfectionistic uh, version of themselves, which is one of the most you know, difficult and impossible things that we could do and also one of the most damaging. And so what I'm saying is show up for your kids the way you are and be honest and vulnerable. You know, my kids, like I said, are 14, 16, 16, and 18. And we have one-on-one time with each one of them every single week. Highly, highly, highly recommend. But I can be talking to my 14-year-old and she's like, so, you know, in our one-on-one time, so how are you? And if I'm just like, oh, I'm fine, I'm great, but how are you? And let's discuss all of these, you know, pieces of your life. Then she never feels like she can speak into and her words are worth speaking into mine. And then she feels like, oh, I need to be perfect because mom is perfect. And then that is, you know, the pinnacle of what I'm trying to go for, which is obviously not true. So if you can show up and be vulnerable and say, you know what, actually, my day was kind of hard because I'm struggling a little bit here and here. Have you ever had that struggle too? And be honest and calm and vulnerable and work as a team in order to get to the destination that you want to be at, which is the top of this, you know, pyramid, if you will, of development throughout the 6570 that gets them to this point of self-discipline leader. Because if they can learn from you how you are achieving that and how you are working toward that, they are much more equipped to do it themselves. So show up vulnerably. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the most difficult things too, because the baby boomers and the generation before therapy really wasn't a thing. It was rather shamed, right? It was like, you pull your bootstraps up, you handle it like a man. (laughs) Yes. And so now like coming to the state of more emotional intelligence and having that open dialogue and conversation with your kids and having that, those hard conversations, it's like that permission slip that you really have to grant yourself as a parent is what I'm hearing. Yeah, absolutely. And the contrast to that is, though, that so much of the world, or at least the Western world, has kind of migrated to this, 
live by your feelings mentality, which is also not healthy, right? Mm, mm -hmm. Because then you have, you know, kids that are like, I'm mad. So I'm going to express my madness. And this is what that looks like. But I'm okay to express my madness because it's one of my emotions, right? And just to give you a very practical idea of this last week, I was picking up one of my daughters and I picked her up from school. She was great. She was fine. Good day at school. We pulled in the driveway and she just like, like metamorphosed into this fetal position and just like broke down and started, I mean, all intents and purposes, like throwing a fit because she was overwhelmed by the amount of work she felt like she had to do. And I was like, we just had a great drive home. What is going on? I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to do this and I can't rest, right? It's part of this transition because they just came from summer where they could quote unquote rest all the time. And now they have more responsibilities to do. But in doing that, she was letting her emotion of overwhelm and frustration drive her actions, drive her bus is what, you know, we say in our home, like, and I say, don't let your emotions drive your bus, right? Have your emotions. We can talk through them, but they aren't the direction for your actions, right? So let's talk through this. You're overwhelmed. So let's actually make a list of everything you need to do. And then just look at everything one by one and just take one step at a time, right? And then it's doable and it's okay and you're in action and you're actually having progress versus just crumbling on the floor and me, you know, consoling you and being like, it's okay, it's okay, right? So actually giving them action steps to get through their emotions to productivity and to a resolution um, is really where we need to help them because our kids are being taught and shown through 24 seven, you know, impacts uh, on social media and, and what have you, mm -hmm. YouTube, all the things all the time. Just live by your emotions. If you feel this way for two seconds, then that is you. One of my daughters, one of my other daughters, uh, she took, she came down uh, maybe about two years ago and she was hysterically crying. And I was like, what is going on? And she said, I just took this quiz on YouTube. And I was like, oh no, here, what is this? You know? And she said, they told me to put up my five fingers and for every question you answered yes on, put one down. And then if you had them all, if you had four or more down, then you were clinically depressed. And I was like, what are these five questions? And it was like, have you ever looked in the mirror and not liked what you saw? Um, have you ever been sad at night? Um, have you ever been upset with someone that loves you? Right? Like, of course, the answer <laughs> to all of these is yes. But she was convinced in her, I think she was maybe 13 at the time. Uh, she was convinced in her brain, YouTube told me to take this. I took this quiz. Therefore, I am clinically depressed. And I was like, honey, no, you are not clinically depressed. You Like, no, these are answers that everybody everywhere would say yes to you know, guaranteed. And so we had to have a really serious talk about that and take her like off the edge for over an hour because that's what they're, you know, if you feel this way, that means you are defined as, right? That means you have permission to, that means this. And so really helping them walk through this, this gauntlet of the preteen and teen years as right. to, okay, this is what this feeling is. Let's explore this and let's, you know, either do something or not do something about it. It's a choice and making decisions is part of that emotional maturity. 
Yeah. Oof. And social media is hard. I love that you actually brought that up because I recently had a thing with my oldest and he was um, on social media and saw something about cutting and there was a big thing at with his friends and some of his girlfriends, like in the gr- their little friend group. And they were all like following this influencer who was essentially teaching um, preteens how to cut without yeah. hurting themselves. And right. I was like, what the hell is going on here? Yep. And yeah. so obviously we reported it. We talked to the parents. We did all, all the steps and the things. But it is insanity to think that that is out there and these kids, that the, these are the role models that they're watching. So as a parent, how do you personally protect your girls from seeing this or from seeing the different data input that's coming in from social media on worth? Because, I mean, as a therapist, I look at it and I'm like, oh, dear God, this is like so damaging. Yeah. It 100% is. And here's the unfortunate truth. We as a culture, as a world are not going away from social media. Mm, And so, you know, I've seen this play out so many different ways. You can say absolutely no social media. And, uh, you know, I look at social media as kind of the, um, if you've seen Pinocchio or any of anyone listening has seen Pinocchio, it's like that lost boys, you know, world that they go into. Everything is tempting. Everything is saying, look at me, look at me, look at me, follow me, follow me, follow me. Right. Mm. And it's so easy to get lost in there and get disoriented in there. And then all of a sudden you're there for so long and you're like, Oh, time passed. I had no idea. And you look back and you're like, Oh, look at all these things I learned. So, Helping your kids really navigate and know what to look for, understand, you know what, this is going to be tempting you, this is going to be trying to get your attention, you know, really helping them navigate and understand this world is vital in this time because it's not going away. Do I wish that I didn't have to have these conversations? 100%. I mean, I feel like suicide has been glamorized uh, over and over again in movies, in uh, in influencers and this. I saw this, you know, beautiful young woman, you know, speaking of cutting, and she had had massive cutting. She was at prom and she had, you know, cuts all the way up both arms. And she's on her road to recovery. Amazing. Great. But she was also glorifying, look at my arms, right? And that's what she literally said. I'm not, you know, um, right. Extrapolating that that's what she said. And so, but my point is we need to talk about these things and parents today have to have so many more difficult, uncomfortable conversations with our kids than I feel like any time before this in, you know, recorded history necessarily, so many difficult, strange, unsettling conversations we have to have, but parents need to be brave because if we're not having this conversation, I guarantee you they're going to have the conversation elsewhere and what are they going to be hearing and being led to. Mm. So we have to have those conversations with our kids today. One of my daughter's I mean, we, you know, she goes to a Christian school. Uh, we, you know, go to church regularly. She has a couple of friends at school. And she was literally texted a video of a 13-year-old giving birth in her bathtub that was a friend of a friend. And then everyone was like, oh, congratulations on your little one. I was like, what is happening oh, right what? now? Yeah. And so 
you know, we had to sit down and we're like, okay, so we're going to block this. I, you know, you understand what happened. You understand what had to happen in order for that to happen. You know, all of these things and how unhealthy that is. And let's pray for this girl. I feel so terrible for her, but we also need to not have that influence at your, you know, fingertips every second. Do you understand why that's unhealthy? Right. And we have to have those conversations. It was awful and sad, but it's also the reality of the world we live in. Right. Right. Yeah. I know you had talked about the F's. I'm quite intrigued. What are the F's? <laughs> so <laughs> the F's. Because you like, know where my mind went. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. That's what I, you know, my tagline was, it's not what you think it is, right? <sighs> and so, you know, fair is definitely one of those, right? Um, and I explained to you a little bit about, uh, you know, those. Failure is another one. I feel like failure, and that's where, you know, this perfectionistic ide uh, ideology comes from. But failure is good. Like it's okay and good to fail. And really showing our kids that every success was like the road to success is paved with failures. There's numerous examples and you have to fail because then you get up and you, you learn and you do better next time, fail better next time. And it's okay and good to fail. And so instead of that being a threat have it be a welcome. And during this, you know, time of adolescence and brain development, our frontal lobes, you know, well, not mine is fully developed at this point, hopefully, uh, but my kids, you know, their, their frontal lobes just developing in those tracks, those neuro tracks being laid that will be the foundation for the rest of their lives and, and thought and communication and logic and all of those things, right? So we need to let them know this is your time to fail safely. Right. Mm. And we can do that and we can have the talks and we can get up and we can try new things and you can fail safely in this environment that you're in right now. Because later on, it, it some failures you can't fail safely at. They affect the rest of your life. Right. And, you know, I deal with that. I know you deal with that, too, with some families. And so helping them have this arena, this training zone of the second half of childhood, especially is really vitally important. And so that's another um, one of the Fs right there. <laughs> I but, love those. Yeah. Oh, those are powerful. <laughs> I, I have uh, numerous ones of them. But yeah, those are some of the, you know, some of the big two right there. And you know, believe it or not, it's okay to have these things that are happening um, in your home and in your uh, in your life. And another one of those, and it'll be the last one I talk about, is fine. Oops, oops, and is fine. And so when your kids come home and you're like, "Oh, how are you?" and they're like, mm, "Fine," and they're like, "Okay, right." It's kind of a check the box, asked them, they answered and will go along and fine. The word fine is being accepted way too much today because then so many things are happening behind the scenes. So many emotions, so many hurts and troubles, challenges, and honestly, even celebrations are happening and we don't know them because we're just accepting fine. And it can really be this overarching bandaid as to what is happening. And so Instead of saying, how are you? And giving them space to say fine, you know, if they do say that, that's okay. But then say, so tell me, like, 
two things today that, you know, were awesome that happened at school today, or two things that made you laugh at school today, or two challenges that you faced today. And, you know, having them, having uh, your child give you those two, three max things, you know, all it, it will just stir conversation and trigger, uh, you know, things to come out and you'll be able to know and have more insight into their lives. But the same goes the other way. You can't use fine for them either. So when they say, oh, fine, how are you? Fine. Okay. Everyone goes their separate ways and no one knows anything about each other. And if you don't know anything, you can't guide, you can't train, you can't teach. And that's our job right now in this 6570. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to provide that safe space to fail, I see a lot of children and teenagers fall apart with failure and that strive for perfection, right? And to know, I, I just to provide that space that there is a safe space to practice failure. We're always gonna bump into that. And so when we can learn to respond to it rather than react, right? Like it makes us much more functional adults. Right, and that still stems from worth. That one of those pillars of worth is belonging because they want to be perfect so that they aren't failing because they feel like if they fail, they won't belong to whatever that was anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, if I fail my, you know, my family won't like me anymore. I won't belong there. If I fail, then the team is going to be upset with me. I won't belong there anymore. If I fail, I won't get into this college and I won't belong, you know, to that community anymore or that hopeful community in the future anymore. So it really all stems back in this bottom rung, I look at it like a three-tiered cake, if you will, this, this foundation of worth, esteem, and confidence. And worth is that bottom thick ring of that foundation. And belonging is very, very, very much um, inextricably tied to failure. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think too, as teenagers, we're, we're trying, they're trying to find their space right like with friends with family like they're trying to find exactly where they belong and how they fit in so as parents what is a, something that we can do to support them in friendships and building those healthy relationships and picking the right friends and not settling for people who maybe don't treat them the way they should be treated yeah, that's really going to come down to that one on one time so you can get in there with them because uh, I tell you the the time of adolescence in middle and high school is a ridiculous gauntlet of fair weather friends and hurt relationships. And so having that time that you can be like, well, what do you define friendship as? You know, if someone is a friend to you, how are you measuring that? Like, what do they do for you in order for you to know that they are an actual friend? And you might get some answers like, well, they smile at me when I walk in the room and no one else does. Okay, that's great, but let's explore that a little bit more. Then do you talk to this person? And what does this person say to you when this person is around other people? Do they still smile at you? Because you run into that a lot in middle and high school, right? These friends that are a friend of yours in one environment, but not a friend of yours in another environment. And that can be so, so hurtful and uh, misunderstood or understood. And it's unfortunate, right? And so just having that, but knowing no matter what happens outside of this home, we got you in here, right? We got you in here and helping them realize it's hard for them to realize in the moment, but the friends that you're making, trying to make in seventh grade 
are not necessarily going to be the people that you're relying on when you're in your 20s or 30s or frankly, even next year, right? And so friends are there for a season and for a reason. And so helping them understand that and how are you, you know, breathing life into this friendship? How are, how is this person breathing life into you, right? What are you enjoying out of here? Is there anything that's challenging or hurting you, right? But Mm. always making sure that whatever happens out there, we're a team in here. We're a team in here and I got your back. Yeah. When I love at the very end of shows to always be able to give a toolbox and three is my number. So (laughs) (laughs) I would love to hear out of what we talked about today and just for parents to be able to really sprinkle that sense of worth into their children on a daily basis. Like what habits do we start to develop and what are things and tools that they can start using immediately after the show to be like, Hey, new family plan. This is what we're doing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, some of those things are just very simple. That's what I, I love to do. I love to take these really broad and seemingly untouchable. Like it's, it's so easy to say, I want my child to have self-worth, but actually how do you put legs to that? And so just breaking it down and seeing how can I make them know that they're seen, heard, love, belong, and have a purpose. So let's just take, you know, seen, for example, when they walk into a room, if you're looking at a phone, put the phone down, right? Actually make eye contact with them and say their name. The brain reacts when our names are used and it makes us understand, oh, they actually see me, right? The the brain chemistry, the neurotransmitters are kicked off when your name is used. And so this can look like my, you know, one of my daughter's names is Lana. And so when Lana walks in the room, I put down what I'm doing. I, maybe I haven't seen her for an hour or maybe all day at school or what have you. And I put it down and I look into her eyes. I'm like, Lana, it is so good to see you. Tell me about your day, right? And then we have that interaction for, it might just be two minutes. It might be five minutes, right? But just knowing she came home or she came in my office or the house or whatever, and I see her, I literally see her. Because if you don't feel seen, then you feel invisible and Mm. that doesn't feel good to anybody. So, you know, that's just a a good example there. And with belonging, um, let's just take that one and working as a team, as a family, if you have multiple kids, you know, and, and they have siblings, then helping them work into that role, right? So it's not just mom and dad with this person and, you know, or this child and this child and this child. It's also their role to be big sister, big brother, little sister, little brother, whatever that is, and helping one another. We were all put in this family for a reason. And there's something, a gift that you have that your sibling could really use and you can help them with. Or maybe you're struggling with something with one of the kids and you're like, you know what? I'm going to go and you can go and talk to one of the other kids and say, I know that you struggled a little bit with this a couple of years ago. Do you have any tips or you think you can maybe, you know, go out to lunch or something with your uh, sibling? You know, it's on me, but I just think some time with you would really be helpful. Do you think you can, you know, help him out or help her out in this way? And then they understand, wow, what I have to say, um, the, you know, advice that I have, me being here. I'm worthy in helping in this endeavor as well. That has been so amazing to have everybody work together for the good of everybody in the family. 
Um, and then lastly, I would just say serve together. I think a family that can serve together, even through hard service, um, can really come together. You see a broader perspective than just what is right in front of you or being all enveloped and encompassed in your own, you know, complexities and challenges of your own life, but get out and serve together and then have talks about what that, you know, what you served and, and how you serve together. It could be anything, you know, go paint a house, go, you know, walk some dogs, go be there for a family, deliver some meals, whatever that is, but just serve together. Mm, that's important. That was a game changer for my family personally. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. So totally off topic. And thank you for those because I know <laughs> yeah. it's going to be huge. What part of Indiana do you live in? <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm actually in North Carolina. I used to live in Indiana, but oh, I am okay. in, yep, I am in North Carolina now uh, for the last eight years. Okay. I saw Indianapolis on there and I was like, oh, I used to live in Anderson. Oh, did you? I did. <laughs> yeah, that was, so we were in Noblesville, so we were just a little bit uh, oh, down yeah. 69 from you. Yep. Yep. <laughs> funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We used to go to a camp in, uh, Anderson. Um, oh, I forget the name of it now, but it was there. Yeah. And we would always go to some crazy ice cream shop there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That's funny. I lived there years ago, but yeah. good times, small world. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, Nellie, I appreciate you so much. Like, uh, I know this is going to help a lot of parents to feel inspired. And it does start in our living rooms. Like it that's does. where the magic happens. And so if there are parents listening today who really are inspired or just struggling and need some help, where's the best spot to reach you? You know what? Parenting is complicated enough. So I love to keep everything in just one spot and that is my website. So if you just go to NellieHarden.com, you will find our communities. You can uh, tap into Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Um, you can find resources. Um, you can find masterclasses. All of that is available to you through the website. Amazing. Thank you so much, Nellie. No, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you have a takeaway or something from the conversation that really just resonated within your heart center, I would love to hear about it. Please leave it in the comment section so we can give you more of this content. As always, please subscribe, save, and sharing is caring. We love you to pieces. Have a beautiful and blessed day.